0: Welcome everyone to a late night edition, abbreviated, but late night edition of Georgia Alabama Sports Live Show. Um, we got a great show in store for you. We're going to be reviewing what just happened the past Friday um, when it comes to high school football, talk about some college football as well, and then we're going to talk about what we got coming up this upcoming week on GAS Live. It's Thrift Barringer and Richard Holdridge, who is doing nine shows in one day it seems like he's posting the sports beat with john freeman and he's got ben and and travis and he's got all these philip jordan and all of a sudden he's able to do a show with me busy man richard well
1: i mean when you have the SEC championship coming up i mean i just got so much knowledge in my brain that i just want to share that with everybody and you know, if I could just do sports talk radio the whole week for three hours a day, I mean, uh, this is what I live for. Like the great Josh Pate says, the grind is a blessing.
0: It is a blessing, and we have been blessed, and I guess that's where we are start. Uh, well, for one, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Um, we were able to do the Calvary State Championship game, um, but I, I just wanted to say we haven't done a show um, since last Wednesday, so we hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving and enjoyed your time with your family. With that being said, though, let's go ahead and jump into it, Richard. Um, we were blessed to do our second state championship broadcast in the last week. Uh, the first one was last Thursday, not Thanksgiving, the previous Thursday, which Glenwood took only Scott, and then we just did Calvary. You can throw that graphic up, Richard, against Skipstone for the gaps. 2 a state championship game as Calvary comes up just short. And what was a fabulous game, um, went down to the wire, had some miraculous plays, some incredible catches, uh, tips, tip balls that landed in the hands of Calvary receivers. I mean, it had everything you wanted and more for a state championship broadcast. And I had a lot of fun. I was upset that Calvary came up just short. Um, but it was a lot of fun from high school game. They say championship special that we did live on the field to the actual broadcast had a lot of fun. So now that we got that out of there, let's go ahead and talk about the game. Richard, I'll let you be the first. Um, just Calvary, three inches from declaring themselves oh, safe champions.
1: It was very close. It was is close too close for comfort. We actually thought, in fact, everybody in the stadium thought that Calvary down twenty-one to eighteen was going to punch this in. And really, what was going through our minds is let's run some clocks so Skipstone doesn't have any uh, time exactly. to to try to to try to get a score on the other end. But I was proud of the resiliency. Skipstone could have put this game away. I mean, they were up by two scores, and Calvary came all the way back. And that tipped pass. What by Bryson? It was incredible. I mean, it was a it was a missed catch. It was tipped in the air. These tip drills that you you teach and practice. It went Calvary's way. He runs all the way down, and I thought they were going to put it in. But just congratulations to Coach Brunson in his first year as Calvary's head football coach, making it to the state championship. We could not be more prouder for the Calvary Christian Knights and really what they did for this community and that place was absolute electric and just to host a state championship on the campus of Calvary Christian I was glad that we were able to break away from our th- families during Thanksgiving to call this game on Friday it really meant that much to us and the community of Columbus to do it and anytime you get teams in the Tri-City area that are still playing football during Thanksgiving week it's always a good thing And we're just proud of Calvary. And and they'll be back next year. What Coach Brunson is building is something special. And this team is is just going to continue to fight. And I talked to Coach Brunson after. I congratulated him. He's going back to work, by the way. I mean, he's already in the film room. He's already got his players in the weight room. I mean, they're going to work for next year. I mean, that's just the type of coach Coach Brunson is.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And um, I said this on Georgia, Alabama, I mean, excuse me, on Georgia, Alabama Sports Lab. That's what we're on now as I'm trying to share this video so everybody can see us um, that is out there in the wonderful world of Columbus, Georgia. But Coach Brunson, I said this on Sports Visions, many people doubted him. And I thought he proved everybody wrong. He was great at motivating his players. All his coaching staff, they were on the same page. They had a mission which was win state. Nobody believed they would make a deep run in the playoffs, heck, even make the playoffs. The fact they were three inches short of winning a state championship, um, I think that's pretty, pretty. I don't want to say miraculous, but I thought it was it was awesome to see that from Coach Brunson. And, you know, Luke Zivak was a great game manager, made the necessary throws when needed to. DeAndre Hurd was the every down back that you need to, be successful and I think it was just an overall a great game Richard um, to be able to broadcast Calvary coming up just short it it was heartbroken and I was talking with actually coach uh, Steve Smith and I said coach and he's the AD there I didn't think Calvary got a generous spot and I I hate when a game and, of that magnitude is put into the hands of a human being which you're saying his eyes is better than everybody else's and that his eyes are so good, he knew exactly where that player got stopped, which was three inches from the first down markage. It's a, a tough call. It could have gone either way, um, but it doesn't take away from what was accomplished from Calvary, and they just build off of it now. they got a lot of returning players. They're a young football team. Scoggins is electric, and he's will be back. Hurd's going to be back. So expect Calvary to do the same thing they just did this year, but probably with a better record uh, next year. Again, just short, Skipstone, congratulations. Their quarterback, uh, Miller, who was pretty sensational. He had over 100 yards rushing. He did everything right for Skipstone. But every time Skipstone would punch Calvary in the mouth, Calvary come right back and knock them back down. And they were three points away uh, from I, I would think probably pulling off something that nobody else thought they would pull off. Any final thoughts, Richard?
1: Well, yes, Thrift, you mentioned on multiple times during high school game day that it is hard to beat a team twice, and that's what Calvary was trying to do. And remember, Miller did not play. We found out later from WRBL news anchor uh, Phil Scoggins, like he, he said that the starting quarterback for Skipstone, Miller did not play in the regular season game against Calvary up in yep. Griffin and that he was a difference maker. He was a dual threat quarterback. I thought that Calvary's defense did a good job containing him, but he had just an absolute bomb for a touchdown. I mean, it was just, just a beautiful pass. I mean, he, he could throw the football deep and he could also run with his legs. I mean, he is just a special quarterback.
0: You know, I agree with you and it's a, uh... It's sad to see him go as a senior, but I think he went out on a high mark and he was able to uh, lead his team to what was almost a state championship win. So uh, great job by the Calvary Christian Knights in their season. Thank you again for everyone that helped make the broadcast possible. Southeast Restoration, uh, Matt Avery of Avery Tree Care, Masterwall, Grant Smith. We appreciate everyone, Barrage Construction, that was able to be a part of that broadcast. From Calvary, though, Harris County came up just short. Uh, and when I say just short, obviously the score is 35-12. to 12. Harris County, you know, took it on the chin in the second half. First half it was close, but Sammy Brown is just another animal. And he's going to be electric uh, wherever he plays his collegiate career. And there's a reason why he's the number one player in the country. Um uh, Harris County held their own for the majority of the game. But Jefferson, I think, if you ask me who's the favorite in 5A, I'm probably going to say Jefferson. I really am. And that second half, they just wore down Harris County. And the thing we and Rick Beach talked about, Richard, whenever we did broadcasts or off air, is that Harris County, the depth, is where it could come into a problem. Yeoman, Ran Tree, Miguel Sevilla, they're playing both sides of the ball. So eventually, they, they got wore down, just like they've been doing other teams. The problem is, Jefferson beat Harris County at its own game, and they just have a deeper roster. But that doesn't stop what Coach Watson is building there. And in year two, to go 11-2 to the quarterfinals, I think the best year in Harris County history, Uh, A lot of credit has to be given to Coach Tommy Watson, Levi Watson, Matei Yeoman, and that Harris County Tigers who had a great season.
1: Greatest season in Harris County history, 11-2. They had a home playoff game in the quarterfinals. It was a very big moment at Danny Durham Field. In fact, Tay Crowder and Taequa Marshall were in attendance. A big shout out to Rick Beach from Katsu Sports that took pictures of them. And, And this was just a big atmosphere. And this is something to be proud of. I mean, this is one of many teams in the Tri-City area that were hosting playoff games this past weekend. and, And they really had an incredible season. Nobody expected them to win 11 games. And they did. And they reached the quarterfinals. And they got to host a home playoff game in the quarterfinals. They just were going up against a Jefferson team that could win the state championship for 5A. We all know how tough 5A can be. And we saw that. Friday when Harris County lost to Jefferson
0: and excuse me everyone um obviously I'm battling a cold it came at the worst time it actually came this is what upsets me the most about sicknesses Richard yeah is that they're so random and it came the the night of Thanksgiving I started having this like you, you know when you're you're feeling sick and like it feel like it's coming I had an earache a little bit and I woke up Friday just. Looked like I punched in the face face with uh, congestion, and there was no way I was going to miss this state championship game. So, um, excuse me, everyone, while well, I have to wipe my nose sometimes as I'm holding on for dear life when it comes to this cold. But we got as Richard just said, the grind continues. So great season Absolutely. for Harris County yeah. and Jefferson. They have finished their season eleven and two. There's a team though that played at Otis Spencer Stadium. This past Friday. And Richard, they keep winning unconventional. In previous years, Carver had a dynamic running game and they could put up 30 points a game easily. I, I was there and alongside DJ Jones for that 2021 playoff run all the way to the state championship game in which they lost to the Benedictine. This team is not like years past for the 2017 um, that won the state championship. This team is They went off their defense. They went off of defensive touchdowns. They can run the ball when needed. And when the quarterback has to make plays, he does. But it's their defense that has carried them all the way to the semifinal. 8-7 last week against Upson Lee. And now 18-14 over Monroe area. And why can't it continue? Their one went away from winning state. And the way this defense is playing against the Savannah's Christian team in which (laughs) we talked about this, Richard. Carver's had a lot of upsets in front of them. You know, Monroe upsetting Sandy Creek. Remember, we thought we were going to get Sandy Creek 3A. Monroe area upset Sandy Creek. Didn't happen. Um, You see Savannah Christian. They won. And if they didn't win, Carver was going to be on the road. Stepping up now Carver to be, even though they're on the bottom side of the bracket and a number one seed, they did the coin flip. Top side gets to be home field. Well, there is no number one left on this side of the bracket, so Carver gets to host a playoff game. But another big win for Coach Coffey's team. They are now nine and three and have won seven straight games since they were two and three. And everybody left them for dead. I know nobody wants to admit it, but there are a lot of people out there saying, "What is wrong with our Carver Tigers?" They're right back where they used, to, where they always are. It seems like in the semifinals, a game away. <laughs> for making it a state championship
1: thrift. I can't believe we're saying this, but we have a team in Columbus that is hosting a playoff game in the month of December Carver is one win away from making that trip to the Mercedes Benz stadium to be in the championship. Once again, they got a tough Savannah Christian team, which is in the same region as Calvary day. All those teams in three, a in Savannah are really good. Savannah Christian was the number two seed because they lost to Calvary day in the region. Calvary Day's got to play uh, North um they got to play Cedar Grove Cedar Grove was the runner-up that should have won the championship last year thrift because of replay Sandy Creek uh, the running back uh, the the ref said the running back went over the the plane at the goalpost that should have been Cedar Grove's uh, championship so Cedar Grove is is on a mission to try to knock off Calvary Day they've had a tough schedule but if you look at this bracket I believe that even though Savannah Christian is a good football team, if Carver wins with their defense, if they win with their running game, if they keep on playing the way they do and they get the breaks, they win the turnover battle, why can't Carver win this game against Savannah Christian and play either Cedar Grove or Calvary Day in the state championship? I mean, this reminds me of 2021. They beat that really good Cedar Town team in the semifinals, 2022-21, yep. uh, the and they, they were in the championship against a very good Benedictine team. I mean, this was when they were in foray, but the Carver tigers can do it again. And I'm just proud of Pierre coffee and his staff and, and everybody in the, in the Carver tigers. And I, I know that everybody who is a Carver faithful, all the great players have been put in the NFL, including your broadcast partner, DJ Jones with sports visions. I know it is great to be a Carver tiger here in the tri city area. And I expect a ton of fans. I hope that we have the entire city of Columbus out at Otis Spencer Stadium representing the Carver Tigers in the semifinal.
0: Well, unfortunately, I will not be one of those because I got the opportunity to be the play-by-play announcer for the GIAA. That's the Georgia Independent Athletic Association where Pacelli, Brookstone, Flint River, many other schools, uh, they have their state championship games. they got 1A, 2A, 3A, and 4A, four classifications. And I will be doing all four play-by-play starting on Thursday night. So, looking forward to that opportunity. Brookstone. And that's where we'll go next, Richard. Brookstone beats Bullock 24-15. to Excuse me, 24-22, not 15. They were up 24-15, and Bullock scored a touchdown when they were down by nine. Uh, and Brookstone, the team that, same thing, two and four. Nobody thought they were going to do anything this year. They lost Andrew Alford. They're watching him break records at Central. Uh, Brookstone, not going to be good. And ever since that overtime loss to Pacelli, they have rattled off six straight games. And now they are 8-4 and four on the season, and they are one win away from declaring themselves state champions. And that means we'll have back-to-back Pacelli and Brookstone state championship football teams in GIAA that would be incredible for this city. Grant Gillespie has got this team playing with the utmost confidence, and it's a not, especially at this level, and usually I say this for basketball and baseball, but now I'm starting to see it for football too. It's not about who has the best record sometimes. It's about who's playing the best, and I don't think anybody's playing better than Brookstone right now to upset Bullock, who is undefeated, and to go on Pacelli's field, a team that you've lost to four straight times the last three seasons, and to beat them and Bullock, and to be now, play first Presbyterian Day, which they lost to earlier in the season at Brookstone by 21. All right, 45 to 24. First Presbyterian Day won. First Presbyterian Day was also the number one seed after Pacelli had lost to Westfield the last week of the season. But... This is not the same Brookstone team, okay? Same thing I said about Calvary when they played Kings Academy last week in the semifinals. Yeah, they lost them the first time 27-3, but this is not the same Calvary team, and that's why they end up winning. I see something similar with the Brookstone Cougars, but huge win. Going up to Statesboro, down to Statesboro, and beating Bullock 24-22, their first loss of the season. Uh, Lane Cannon had a phenomenal game, and Brooks Roney who had to step in and was the quarterback, and everybody thought when you lose someone like Alford, it's hard to fill his shoes. He's done that, and now I win away from declaring himself and his team state champions.
1: And the Brookstone Cougars taking on First Presbyterian Day, December the 1st, 8 p.m. at Five Star Stadium, the home of Mercer University in Macon, Georgia. And I'm excited for you, Thrift, that you're going to be on the call for all four GIAA championships, including Flint River, a big shout out to Joe Howard. He just texted me. He's excited. You're calling the game. Flint River is taking on Robert Toombs Christian Academy. You also got Gatewood taking on Edmund Burke at 5 p.m. Remember Pacelli played Gatewood at homecoming, and then you also have John Millage taking on Valwood. That's the only game on Thursday. But a yeah. thrift. I know. I'm excited for you. That's gonna gotta, gotta I'll be tell you great.
0: This, though. John Mellage has won like fifty straight games in a row. Incredible! They're, they're, they they're, I mean, they really are. Um, they're probably the best football program. They're three A, but I think there's nobody close to them when it comes to football. They are, uh, they're loaded, and they've won like four or five straight state championships. Can't wait to be on that call, Richard. I appreciate that, but I can't, definitely can't wait to call the Brookstone versus First Presbyterian day. Uh, that will be state championship six in the last two weeks. Wow! And For the Tri-City area, that will be Glenwood, Calvary, and Brookstone get to be the lead play-by-play announcer for all three. Two of those, of course, right here on Georgia-Alabama Sports Live, and then Brookstone they'll be able to do on GIAA-TV. There's a school across the river that keeps dominating, and they took care of business against Mary Montgomery, 21-7. This game was never close, in my opinion. Uh, I never thought Central was going to be in doubt. I know it's, they won by 14, uh, but there again, our guy, Andrew Alford, is just close to getting, I think, 45 touchdowns, probably where you're going to end the season, and three interceptions, two interceptions, whatever it is, some crazy stat that he has over there. Cam Coleman showing why he's the best receiver in the country, not just in the state of Alabama, I think in the country. And uh, Mary Montgomery had a great season undefeated, but no match. For Central, And now we get the ultimate rematch. Thompson, the defending four, re- defending four-peat state champion, who beat Central two years ago pretty handily, is now going to take on Central again. And uh, I can't wait for it. That'll be next Wednesday. It's going to be a fun one to watch.
1: Absolutely going to be a fun one. And you look at the Thompson Warriors. They had to come from behind to defeat hewitt trustful and they're playing in a state championship with a chance to win their fifth straight state championship this is a rematch of the 2021 state championship the 2019 state championship and the 2018 state championship these two teams they know each other very well i think central's the better team this year thompson has had a down year yeah. i was looking at thompson's stats i know last year you know, they had an 8th grader, Trent Seaburn, who came out of nowhere and was their starting quarterback. He had a good season. I mean, he had 25 touchdown passes as a freshman. I mean, the future is bright for Thompson, but Thompson did lose a lot of players to you know the next level. You know, they're playing on Saturdays. They're just not the same team. They did lose a game this year to a 6A Clay Chalkville. You know, like I said, they had to come from behind to defeat wow. Hewitt Trustful. I think if Central... If, this, if there's any team that could beat Thompson this year, why not this Central team? I mean, they got everything in front of them. December the 6th at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. That is where Central is going to be playing Thompson. I cannot wait for this. It's going to be on a Wednesday night. I know that Tuscaloosa is three hours away. I mean, we're used to having state championships in Auburn and then in in Birmingham, it, but now we're going to have it in Tuscaloosa, and hopefully, a lot of central fans will make that trip to Tuscaloosa.
0: Yeah, well, it's going to be no doubt about it. They're going to they, they, oh, they'll have a they'll have travel. a charter.
1: They'll have a bus yeah. that you know you could pay money yeah, to they hop travel, on the bus. And,
0: but I got to say this: it would be a big upset, in my opinion. pretty disappointing if Central doesn't come home with a state championship. I know Thompson's won four straight, but we're looking at both these teams. I I don't think there's anybody close to Central and they should not lose this game. I agree. But guess what? They've had upsets before. Okay? There have been a lot of times in these last recent years. It's pretty surprising that since Jamie DeBose took over for Central, I was back in 2015, I think 2014-2015, until now, when Patrick Nix took over for him, they only got one state championship. They've been to two games, and they only got one. They've had a couple upsets in the Final Four. Uh, that's pretty surprising to me, to say the least. Uh, and that's pretty much all the games that happened around this area. Uh, I know you wanted to give a shout-out. Go ahead,
1: Richard. Well, no, that just congratulations, Callaway. Great season. They lose to Fitzgerald. Yeah. There's three teams that are considered in the Chattahoochee Valley that we don't cover on Georgia-Alabama Sports Live. They're kind of on the outskirts. But Eufaula makes it to the semifinals. Congratulations to the Eufaula Tigers. They're going to take on Gulf Shores. And down in single-A Division II, Manchester is taking on Telfair County because they were both number 2 seeds. Manchester is hosting a semifinal playoff game. Schley County is on the road taking on Bowden-Thrift. We might have a Manchester Schley County State
0: Championship. I know. That, that is way, incredible. By the way, I think they're going to be representing at the Sports Visions Awards Luncheon. Coming up December the 7th, Hugh Freeze will be there. So we're excited about it. Um, but let's go ahead at the St. Luke Ministry Center at 1130. But let's go ahead and preview some of the games that are happening this week. And then we'll get into some college football talk to SC Championship game preview. And then get... Some the NFL so we can get out of here. Uh, Brookstone, taking on First Presbyterian Day. As I said, they faced off earlier this year. uh, And First Presbyterian Day did beat them. I think it's a different Brookstone team. I'm not going to pick the game. uh, But I I really hope uh, that Brookstone gives their best effort and plays their best game they have all season. We could possibly
1: get, in back-to-back years... Pacelli winning a GIAA state championship and Brookstone winning a state championship. And I know both schools, they're not, like, if you're a Pacelli fan, you're not rooting for Brookstone in this game. I mean, unless you love all the Columbus schools, I mean, because these two rivals, they do not like each other. No. But if on a neutral, on a non-biased fan of Columbus schools, how incredible this is that we could have Two back to back champions from the city of Columbus when it comes to private schools in this area. And whether you root for Pacelli or root for Brookstone, that is actually awesome. But yeah, this rivalry does run deep. I know that, uh, congratulations to Brookstone. I mean, we, we love both schools. I mean, I don't have uh, like. There, there's not a, like a difference between Bocelli and Brookstone. I love both schools and what they have done for this community. But, uh, yeah, this is pretty cool that we could have back-to-back state champions in the city of Columbus for the private schools in the GIAA.
0: Yeah, well, Brookstone, led by Ray Scalespa, who's won championships at Peach County, um, Valdosta. I mean, the guys won wherever he's been. And uh, no different here at Brookstone. in it's two seasons at the helm, semifinals, and now the state championship. So cannot wait. I think the key to the game, though, is Brooks Roney. Um, first, Best senior day can put up points. So Brooks defense got to play lights out, which they have these last couple of weeks. And Brooks Roney can't turn the ball over, and he's got to be efficient. If they can do that, which oh, if he can be good, that opens up the run game with for Lane Cannon. Brooks may be bringing home a state championship title, and we'll we'll touch on Central next week because they play next Wednesday. We'll do another show for them. Uh, but we will talk about Carver as they take on Savannah Christian, who is 11 and two. Carver 10 and three. They've won eight straight. Excuse me, since their two and three season. I really don't know much about Savannah Christian. Um, I know they got a big win last week on the road and upset. Uh, but I think the key to the game is obviously for Carver, their defense. If they keep this low scoring, as you see the last two weeks, they've scored 8-18. and They're averaging about 11 points a game, or no, a little bit more than 11, uh, 13 points a game the last two weeks. But they're only giving up, Richard, about 11. Okay, so that's why they won 8-7 to and 18-14. to So, yeah, they haven't scored a lot, but they haven't needed to either because their defense doesn't give up much. I don't think they're going to give up much here either. I think home field advantage does help them. And I'm going to say Carver comes out victorious at a 17-14, 14-13. Coach Coffey wants this ugly. He knows what his team's strength is, and it's not high flight. If this gets in the 30s or Savannah Christian or late 20s, I mean 28, 29, around that area, I think that's going to be hard for Carver to overcome. They keep this ugly and the, and the teens. I think Carver is going to be headed to the state championship game second time in three seasons.
1: This game has got to be within a score like 6-0, 7-0 going into the second quarter. That's how Carver likes to play. I was looking at Savannah Christian's record. They are 11-2. The two losses to Marist. Marist is still alive in their playoffs, respectively. And Calvary Day, who's on the other side of the bracket, they went undefeated. They're taking on Cedar Grove. Savannah Christian is a very good team. But to get here, they, they had to defeat Peach County in overtime. 48 to 46. Remember, they're the number 2 seed. Peach County was a number 3 seed. They right. just squeaked by Peach County. They defeated Morgan County 33 to 10, and of course, I'm not going to call it an upset. I mean, they had a pretty decent 42-21 victory over Lumpkin County. I mean, I know Lumpkin County was the number 1 seed, but Savannah Christian is a strong 2 seed because of the region they play in. This yeah. is going to be Carver's biggest test. Yeah, I didn't is, know
0: that about Calvary Day. I think that's a. I can make. I'm agree with you. This is by far the best team I think they faced all season. They faced some seven, eight schools. Absolutely. Christian is good. But I think playing at home, keeping it ugly, forcing turnovers, which they've been able to do these last couple of weeks, uh, Carver will, can come up victorious. But absolutely. a Christian, they start. Let's say they go up 21 to 7, maybe in the third quarter. I just don't know if Carver has enough offense. And look. This could be the game they explode onto the scene and score 30 points. I just don't think that's this Carver type, uh, team, and I think Coach Coffey knows what type of game he needs for his team to be victorious.
1: I absolutely agree with you, Thrift. I mean, but you really got to get Braylon Jakes in the receiving game, Kobe Castlin. I mean, you got Dalen West, Deontay Childs. I mean, he's been really the bell cow running back all year, uh, but really it starts with, You know, they're they're quarterbacks. But uh, Courtney Kelly, 12 sacks, Tristan Givens. I mean, that defense really stepping up, especially Ja'Cory West. He's got four interceptions on the year. But I've really been impressed with the quarterback, uh, Jacoby Hunter, who's taken over for Matthew Mungden. Remember, Matthew was the starting quarterback to begin the season. And Coach Coffey put Jacoby Hunter in here. He's made some plays. And you know he had a touchdown when it mattered. They went for two. They defeat Upson Lee eight to seven last week. A very close, narrow win against Monroe Area eighteen to fourteen. That's the way they like to play. I think Carver could come out on top and reach their second state championship in three years. How awesome would that be?
0: So tomorrow we will be at Calvary for Glenwood Calvary basketball game starting at six or five thirty. Jv. Girls start at 6.30. We're going to be doing the girls game and the boys, 6.30, then 8. <coughs> it's a robbery game in basketball. I know they don't play oh, each other yeah. in football, but basketball and baseball, they do face off against each other. And uh, Coach Purdue, you know, Jonathan Gordon talked a lot of trash. Remember that at the yeah. uh, beginning of the season? High school game high day. High school game yeah. day. And uh, Coach Purdue came right back at him. So cannot wait to see these two face off. I'll, I'll ingest, though, um, but should be a really good game. Glenwood Phoenix state champions. Calvary made it to the lead eight last year, but got a new coach, new team. And now with football season, they're going to be fully healthy. Cannot wait. But I'm even more excited about the girls game because Michaela Reed for Calvary scored over th- close to 40 points. I think she did score over 40. Ninth grader for Calvary. I mean, the, the talent around this area when it comes to girls basketball it's almost better than the boys, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. We, and we talked about that. then on the flip side, yeah. Glenwood has got a, a, the, the, a couple of girls inside that are dominant. Uh, I cannot wait to see Coach Purdue, Coach Thornton, and then Coach Purdue, Coach Gordon going against each other. It's going to be a lot of fun. You'll be able to get the coverage starting at 6 o'clock tomorrow on Georgia Alabama Sports Live YouTube channel and Facebook page. Also, on Wednesday we got a special show, so high school basketball preview show. We're going to, we won't touch on every single school, because every school, there's 16, 17 schools that we covered in Basketball Media Day, and then there's a girls and a boys program. That's 32 teams we'd have to cover. So we're just going to touch on some of the teams that we think are, like, quickly, who are the top 10 teams for girls, top 10 team for boys, who's some players that we're going to be on the lookout for. Uh, and and just talk about who are some of the teams that we think could win it all. We're also going to have Ben Hicks, the AD for CVCC, to promote CVCC athletics because on Thursday, we got a triple header for you. 530, the women's CVCC women's Lady Pirates take on Enterprise State. Then at 730, the men's take on Enterprise State. Robert Edmund will be on the call. Toygar will be there to produce it. And then at 630, You're going to be with Chris Gates at the land as the Pacelli girls take on the Harris County Tigers. Coach Stephanie Ramsey Dunn taking on Bryant Thomas. That is going to be a great game. A lot of talent from both teams. Harris County's them are are predicted to win the region again this year in 5A. And Bryant Thomas' team last year made an Elite Eight. They returned everyone but one player, and then they gained three more Elite studs like Michaela Hosley. And great Smith. So, Richard, you'll be on the call for that. While I am also attending other duties, calling the GIAA State Championship football game. So, great matchups on that on Thursday. Uh, then on Sunday, we got the Pacelli Basketball Coaches Show, um, which we'll do in person with Coach Corey Black and Bryant Thomas. You can find all this on George Alabama Sports Live. <coughs> I did want to talk real quick about what happened at the Iron Bowl. On Saturday. Hmm. I knew the game was not over. And I actually had told my girlfriend, I was like, listen, Bama's going to win this game 27-24. to And that was before the punt and the Moth punt, Bama getting it back, and then everything happened with 4th to 31. I just had a feeling Alabama was still going to come back and win that game. We just saw it in 2021. But to see it come in that fashion, it reminded me of Tua Tagovailoa back in 2017. When he gets sacked, and then it's overtime, it's second and 27, and he throws the touchdown pass to Devontae Smith. Jalen Milro has that bonehead play. Instead of running for 15 yards to get closer to the end zone, he steps over the line to try to run back to throw a legal forward pass Throws the loss of down, back him up five yards, it's fourth and 31, and he throws a frozen rope to the back of the end zone for Isaiah Bond. Now, I know everyone's questioning Hugh Freeze, and he's coming out with screenshots saying this is the defense that should have been played. You don't give a quarterback that much time. you got to rush after him. Make him run. If he thinks he can outduke 11 Auburn football players to get 31 yards, let him try it. That's better than 101 in the back of the corner Which, it was just, it's typical Auburn. But I'm not negative on the outcome. For one, selfishly, I wanted Alabama to win because I'm going to cover the SC Championship game for Sports Visions. I wanted that game to mean something. And now, whoever wins that is going to make the playoffs. So, definitely was okay with Alabama winning. Probably not in that fashion. Kind of heartbreaking, but it didn't bother me. If you're an Auburn fan, recruiting-wise, the atmosphere was electric. That You have a recruiting pitch now. You say, look how close we were. Now if we have you, you're going to take us over the top to another level. This is the worst, and I know many people have said it, and I agree with it. This is the worst roster Hugh Freeze is ever going to have as, his, as the head coach of Auburn. No doubt in my mind. I think it's more, we're looking back, positives. You play Georgia and Alabama down on the wire, and you could have won both games. Negatives? You got shellacked by a and who fired their coach. You got bl- uh, bullied by New Mexico State at home. Uh, Ole Miss, you came up just short. Again, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Auburn. I mean, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Georgia, three top 12 teams. You came up just short. And then, of course, getting dominated by a and New Mexico State, and LSU on the road, which that, that's okay. Um, but I don't think there's really much negativity I think Auburn's going to make some, maybe some changes when it comes to their one of their coordinators. I think they have to keep Ron Roberts. Outside of the, what happened, I thought his defense <coughs> did a great job all game. And I expect um, Hugh Freeze and Auburn to be back to being competing for hopefully SC championships here for years to come. Great game. Had everything you wanted. Ugly game. Uh, but Alabama... This time, having some luck of their own when it comes to playing in Jordan Hare Stadium. Fourth and 31, and now we get the SC Championship game that means everything.
1: When I was watching this game, you know, the things that were going through my mind yeah, that play was absolutely shocking. I could not believe that that happened. But it wasn't the most shocking play in Iron Bowl history. The kick six. 10 years ago. And that
0: game mattered more too, Richard. And it because, mattered I mean, more. It, this It, it decided yeah. who went to the SEC championship game. This is a 6-5 Albert team that just got uh, beat to death by New Mexico State the week before. Yeah, would have oh, been a upset, but in essence, and I heard Josh Pate said it, and I said the same thing, I just wasn't on air. What's the difference between going 7-5? I understand beating Alabama, there's more momentum. You're still not ranked. you still lost to New Mexico State. Yeah, you upset. You ruined Alabama's season, but In the grand scheme of things, this didn't change anything when it comes to the trajectory of where Hugh Freeze is trying to take this program. Um, And I'm not really sad about it at all, and I don't think any Auburn fans should be either.
1: I don't think they should be either because, you know, you actually played a great game against an Alabama team who was favored by more than two touchdowns that was projected to blow you out. And this is really not a testament to Alabama. Yeah, 15-point
0: favorite, Richard.
1: Yeah, Exactly. This sets up for a classic SEC championship matchup, which, by the way, five of the last eight national champions have been either Georgia or Alabama. I was actually going through the last games, the last five games in the Kirby Smart era. Georgia had a double-digit lead on Alabama every single time, including the 2021 SEC championship when they went up 10 to nothing, but they lost that game 42-21. to 21. I don't know, Thrift, I'm kind of feeling uh, the vibe of that 2021 SEC championship where Georgia was an all-time team. They were ranked number one. Alabama coming in, and they beat them. And I know Georgia's favored by five, but if there's a team that could beat Georgia, it is this Alabama team.
0: I agree with you when it comes to the SEC. I think Michigan could beat Georgia this year. Um, I think Oregon could beat Georgia. Um, but when it comes to the SEC, Alabama's the only option. Um, and when it comes to the college football playoff, let me say this. If Alabama beats Georgia, they're not getting left out. But I'm all for chaos, and I said it last week. I'm all for it. I, I do want Florida State to lose because I saw what happens when you have a team that is just not up to par compared to other teams, 65-7 last year, TCU and Georgia. I don't want to see that. And I'm not saying Florida State, roster-wise, is as bad as CCU was last year when it compared to Georgia's and the Michigan's. I know they upset Michigan, but obviously Michigan should not have gave up 51 points to TCU. But this Georgia team, I mean, excuse me, not this Georgia team, this Florida State team, without Jordan Travis, they have no chance of winning the national title. Oregon is playing... Better than I think anyone right now in the country. Washington, they're undefeated. And fully healthy Washington is beating a Jordan Travis Less part of state team. Oh, Michigan, I think they would steamroll them. And same with Georgia. I think Texas would beat them. They are the worst out of the eight teams that are still buying because there's Alabama, there's Washington, there's Oregon. There's Texas, there's Florida State, Ohio State, Georgia, and Michigan. Those are the eight teams that are vying for the playoff spot. No two-loss teams are going to get in. Um, but I really want Louisville, who just lost to Kentucky, I do want them to beat Florida State because they don't have a shot. And if they go undefeated, there's no way they're getting left out. So if they do beat Louisville, they're going to be put in. And I just not a game I want to watch. Tate Rutledge or Ratledge, whatever his name is, Facing it off against a Georgia team or a Michigan team, depending on if Georgia loses to Alabama. I, I just don't want to see that. So I do want them to lose. Everything else is up for grabs. So if that does happen, let's say Alabama beats Georgia. Florida State loses to Louisville. Okay? Now you got Alabama in. Michigan's obviously going to beat Iowa. And whoever wins, Oregon, Washington, which I'm thinking on a neutral field, Oregon's winning that. So let's say it's Alabama, Oregon, and Michigan, that last spot is going to be up to a twelve and one Washington, a twelve and one Georgia, and a twelve and one Texas. If they win the Big Twelve, who gets put in? Is it got to be Texas, right? Because they beat Bama. But then, how do you leave back to back Georgia? Who let's say they lose by three to Alabama, They only lost it to Alabama in a neutral field. How do you lose it? Leave them out? Um, it it is going to be tough for the committee. And let's say it, Everybody wins, except for Oregon, Washington. Let's say out Georgia wins, uh, Oregon wins, Washington, Alabama out, Florida State wins. So now you've got Florida State, you've got Texas, and you've got Ohio State that are vying for that last spot. I, how do you leave Florida State out if they're undefeated? On the flip side, Texas is a better team. I think got the better wins, the better resume. I know they got one blemish. But how do you leave them out and not put them in? It's going to be chaos. I'm rooting for chaos, and this is the first time in the playoff era since 2014 in which we don't have four definitive teams. Like last year, we only had three teams, and then TCU got put in, Ohio State got put in. The year before that, Cincinnati was de facto. There was no one else. Uh, Were you going to put in a two-loss Alabama team last year? No, you weren't in 2021. Uh, Who are you going to put in over TCU? You're going to put a two-loss Ohio State team? Not going to happen. So this first time since the inception of the college football playoff in which we could have a decision where at the end, do we get the four teams right? That year they lucked into it, and they did because they put Ohio State in. They put uh, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida State, and Oregon and Ohio State, being the four seed, end up winning it all, Richard. Um, right. And Baylor and TCU got left out. Baylor was the five, TCU six. Baylor ended up getting blown out. TCU probably was better than Florida State, and Florida State didn't finish undefeated, TCU, I think, would have had a better chance in the playoff. But in essence, they got it right. Okay? So, what's going to happen this year? And I can't wait to see.
1: Oh, I can't wait to see either. I mean, and we'll we'll have to find out. I mean, we have some great conference championship matchups coming
0: up as well. Oregon, uh, Washington, that's gonna on be on Friday. Uh, Friday. I mean, that's Friday night. Kirk really, Kirk we'll, Street, Chris Fallon on the call, ABC. I think Oregon is gonna beat Washington by two touchdowns. When it comes to Alabama, Georgia, I think Georgia's gonna win. But I have an eerie feeling, like, it, like you said, like it's 2021. And Jalen Milrow, if they put him in, su- in position to succeed, why can't they? But Alabama just gave up 250 yards to Hugh Freeze and Auburn, who's one-dimensional on offense. Georgia's not even close to that. They're way better. They're the, probably the most balanced team offensively in the country. So good luck, Alabama defense. But there's always something about Nick Saban in that SC Championship game, Richard. He's undefeated. He won in 2001, 2003. Oh, excuse me. He's got one loss. I stand corrected. I said that on Sports Visions. He's two thousand three, 2001, 2003. He lost in 2008 to Florida. Won in 2009. Won in 2012. Won in 2014, 15, 16. Won in 2018, one in 2020, one in 2021. He's got 10 SEC championships and one loss. That only loss was to that incredible 2008 Florida team. And he's never lost to Kirby Smart either in an SEC championship. 2-0 and against him. And he's undefeated against Georgia in SC SEC championship, 3-0. Don't count him out, but I just think Georgia's on another level right now. And I think they're the best team in the country. Even Nick Saban said that uh, when they did their press conference on Sunday, I got the transcript being a part of the media that's covering the game, Richard, and he said, Let's start off with this. Georgia's the best team in the country. And I think there's no doubt about it.
1: Absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, Coach Saban is saying all the right things. I just love how these two teams are similar. But, you know, Georgia has the monkey off their back, beating Alabama in the national championship. I mean, it's not 2021 where it's like Kirby Smart cannot beat Nick Saban. Nick Saban is undefeated against his assistants. Well, no, his assistants have caught up to him, and I'm just i impressed with how Alabama actually was resilient. I thought they were left for dead after that South Florida game, and Jalen Milrow, he's in the race for the Heisman race, and I I really think that Jalen Milrow has played his way this season into being an NFL quarterback. I mean, he's going to get drafted in the NFL because he's made some pretty good throws, and I think Alabama does have a chance against Georgia.
0: Mike Elko got named the Texas A&M off- I mean, new head coach. Great hire. I think is a, a great hire. And I yep. think he is going to do great things at A&M. But you can't tell me that Mark Soups is not another Mike Elko or Mike Elko is not another Mark Soups. Mark Supes is the winningest coach in Kentucky history. He's doing it with limited resources. He's got two 10-win seasons. Are you kidding me? Yeah. A&M fans are turning their nose up at that? Are you serious? Like, that – that blew me away from AM that they thought Mike Elko was so much better of an option than Mark Soups. Now I know Josh Payton, many out there think Elko is the better fit, and he probably is. But you telling me Mark Soup's deserved that? Like it was as bad as Tennessee when they got mad at Greg Schiano getting potentially hired. Mark Soup's still Greg Schiano. He should not have been bullied out of getting this job. And I think I think Mark Soups. Would have been a great hire for Auburn if, we, if Auburn hired him or anywhere else that he goes. If he went to Florida State instead of Mike Norvell, I think he's going to be just fine finishing on his career in Kentucky and being the greatest Kentucky coach of all time. But for them to turn their nose up at them, like, you got to be kidding me. Like, please. And this is why you fire someone to get Jimbo Fisher to be the same coach and but pay him $50 million more. So until A&M can get out of its own way, And maybe Elko's the CEO type that can help lead them in the right direction and get their mindset on this is how you run a championship-winning organization that we see with Alabama and Georgia. Until they get on that, maybe they will. But if you're saying that you don't believe Mark Soup had any shot at doing that, you don't know football, and I'm not listening to you. Well, Josh Pate said on his show that Texas A&M – is
1: one of the top programs in college football. They have all the resources. They have all the talent pool there in Texas. They just haven't got the coach right. Once they get the coach right, Texas A&M could be right up there with the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world competing for national championships. And and Texas A&M just has got to find the right coach. Well, it's a wait and see with Coach Elko. I think that he did a great job at Duke, but uh, now he's taking over a Texas A&M program that has to go up against Brian Kelly. He's got to go up against Nick Saban. Luckily, the divisions are going away next year, but you also add uh, Texas and Oklahoma to the mix. It should be a lot of fun
0: in the SEC. Yeah, but to say that Mark Stoops was an atrocious hire, like he's Brian Harson. and you're basically saying like Mike Elko's Urban Meyer and Brian Harson. I mean, and Mark Stoops Brian Harson. So. You, you shouldn't hire Mark Stoops. That's the worst hire. Let's bully him out. No way we hire him. That that would that would take us back. We, we would be set back even worse than we are now. Please! And right now, there's so much talent on that roster, even with an influx of transfers that leave. There's still so much talent. They can win now at Texas A&M. So Mark Soups, the type of coach that can win now. I just think that was a bonehead mistake for them. Mike Elkos going to be fine. He's probably going to be a great head coach there. But I'm talking about more in the aspect of Mark Stoops. One more coaching hour I did want to talk about before we talk some Falcons and get out of here. Um, Jeff Lebby, I think, is the best hire out of anyone so far that has hired coaches. Now, I don't know why Florida hasn't fired Billy Napier for what I just saw with players spitting on people. The, The amount of penalties, just undisciplined. Just terrible, trash, high school-looking football that's coming from Gainesville. I don't know how they keep him another season, but apparently they're going to give him at least three years. Um, But uh, he has no control over his team right now, and that is worrisome. Not just the wins and losses, the lack of control, too. That's where I would say, all right, maybe it's time to move on. Billy Napier is not the option here at Florida. But... Jeff Levy getting hired at Mississippi State, offense coordinator at Central Florida, then Ole Miss, and then Oklahoma. He's had top five offenses at all three spots. He's a top three offense this year and scored over 60 points three times for Oklahoma. He took Oklahoma's offense from the bottom half of the league to one of the best in college football this year. There's some bad blood between him and Lane Kiffin. I don't think he left on the best term. I can't wait to watch that Egg Bowl. And oh, yeah. Levy is a heck of an offensive mind. And Mississippi State realized we've been successful when we've had offensive-minded head coaches, Dan Mullen, Mike Leach, Arnett trying to come in and literally change everything that they've been building the last four seasons to go to pro style. He he dug his own grade by doing that. I Jeff Levy, I think, could come in and win Mississippi State immediately. I know Will Rogers is transferring. But give Levy time. I see him being like another Dan Mullen, to be honest with you. And I think he'll be at Mississippi State for five or six years before another big job calls. I think that is an incredible hire, and it's the best so far this offseason.
1: And I believe Mississippi State could get back to the level that Dan Mullen got Mississippi State to, where they had a number one overall ranking and they had Dak Prescott as their quarterback.
0: Yeah, 2014. I remember that.
1: Yeah, that was a great year. Uh, and, you know, they did lose to Georgia Tech in a bowl game, but that's neither here nor there. But Mississippi State could get back to that level. And I think that Levy is the coach to do it.
0: Jonathan Smith to Michigan State, I think, is a really good hire. He did a great job. Uh, wonders with that Oregon State team rebuilt them from 1-11 to the last couple seasons being competitive. And uh, I think they're really close to beating Oregon. I mean, Washington this year finished 9-3 and 3 last year, 8-4, and 4, and that's a big hire. Watch out for Urban Meyer. I feel like he may land somewhere.
1: I had a rumor that John Gruden might take the Indiana head coaching job. John
0: Gruden, he just can't keep his name out, can he? I wonder I, I if they think... would take the risk that... that it, Think about John Gruden, who would turn his nose up at Tennessee, a job that everybody thought he would want to go to, and now he's subjected to being happy if he if he's even given the chance to coach at Indiana. But we'll see how that plays out. Transfer reporter also coming up. Uh, you got after bowl this week. Monday. Yeah. So coming up, is not this Monday, next Monday.
1: Next Monday. We also have National Signing Day as well, the early period for National Signing Day. Transfer on
0: Monday, National Signing Day early, which is basically the signing day on Wednesday. Cannot wait. We'll we'll have that. We'll have a special we'll do on recruiting next week. Can't wait for it. But we got SEC championships and other championships to play out the rest of college football. Rankings on Tuesday, final rankings on Sunday. Atlanta Falcons get a big win over the Saints, and they did it despite Desmond Ritter trying to blow it. Again, another interception near the goal line. If they had anybody that was competent at quarterback, they win that by three touchdowns. If they had anybody else at quarterback that is just a top 15, not even, I'm not even asking top 10, top 15 quarterback, a Josh Dodds, for Christ's sake, who's top 25, you give the Falcons Josh Dobbs. They're five and six now with Josh Dobbs. They're at least seven and four, eight and three. Heck, they may be nine and two. They got so much talent on defense, you see, with Jesse Bates. They got talent on the receiving core with Kyle Pitts and Drake London. They got two great running backs, a decent offensive line, a really good run game offensive line. It's Desmond Ritter. I'm looking at Arthur Smith like, how could. It, This is—I know it's terrible—but I don't trust anybody that looks like they're 30 years old when they're really 25. And if you look at Ritter's face, he's got a face that—he's way more mature, face-looking-wise, than his age is. He looks like he's 35 when he's really 25. I don't trust those type of people, and I dang sure don't trust Desmond Ritter. I don't care how hard he works. I don't care if he says all the right things. He obviously is not getting it. He keeps making the same. Terrible. It's not like it's, oh, man, a bad bad bounce here and there. It is terrible. Terrible decisions. And yet they have still overcame that and beat the Saints. And if you look, I don't see why the Falcons don't finish at least 9-8, maybe 10-7, and, and win the division.
1: Now we know how important it is to have stability at quarterback. Atlanta had it from 2008 all the way to 2021 with Matt Ryan. And now they're having a quarterback carousel. Last year was Marcus Mariota. This year it's Desmond Ritter. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be next year. I mean, they might even draft a quarterback. There's talks that they could get a, a trade for Justin Fields because Chicago is not happy with Justin Fields. I mean, anything is better than a quarterback that purposely blows games. Turning the ball over in the red zone. I mean, I've seen this narrative before. I was not comfortable in that game. Yeah, the score was 24-15, to 15, but when it was 21-15, you know what was going through my mind thrift? I actually thought that, oh yeah, the, the Falcons are going to lose this game 22-21. They're going to find a way to lose this game because they're going to give the ball back to the Saints, and even though the Saints haven't scored a touchdown yet, the Falcons held them to five field goals, they're going to lose this game. But they proved me wrong because they did run the ball with Tyler Algier and Bajan Robinson, and Young-Way-Koo kicked that field goal to make it a little bit more comfortable, and they win the game 24-15. Hey, a win is a win, but we look at that, and Desmond Ritter, two more interceptions. Now they play the New York Jets on the road, and Tim Boyle. I mean, <laughs> let's try to get a win there. But as for now, the Falcons are in first place,
0: but they do play the Jets next week. So yeah. And watch. Tim Boyle. It's so <laughs> bad for Falcons fans, who is just Terrible as a quarterback from his college career to his pro, watch him have the greatest game in his life. Because Will Levis did. He had four touchdowns against the Falcons. And he's been trash ever since. Unbelievable. I mean, it's the Atlanta Falcons, man. It's being an Atlanta fan, no doubt about it. Well, we want to thank everyone that has tuned in today. We've had a lot of fun. Can't wait to see the rest of high school football playoffs. Can't wait to be on those broadcasts. Make sure to watch tomorrow. We got Glenwood Calvary. Wednesday, our George Alabama Sports Live high school preview show, basketball preview show. And we'll have Ben Hicks, the AD of CVCC, join us. Thursday, we got Pacelli. Girls gets Harris County. And we also got CBC Men's and Women's all on George Alabama Sports Live YouTube and Facebook page. And then Sunday, the Pacelli Basketball Coaches show. So jam packed. Next week, we'll continue grinding. And then before you know it, we'll be here with the Christmas tournament, the Board Wars tournament. A lot happening on Georgia-Alabama Sports Live, and we are excited for every bit of it. From Richard Holdridge, I'm Thurpe Baird. you saying thank you so much, and we will see you on Wednesday for Georgia-Alabama Sports Live show and tomorrow at 6.30 for Glenwood and Calvary.